So Dr. Mercola recommends nebulizing hydrogen peroxide, food-grade hydrogen peroxide, as the most effective early strategy for COVID. We are Hot Talks Health. Thanks for joining us as we share our personal journey to health by researching and interviewing our way through wellness-related topics. I'm your host, Alyssa Hoff. In this week's episode, we're going to be talking about spike protein, detoxing spike protein, COVID, and a protocol that we use when we have respiratory infections. The very first thing I want to share is the show notes for this podcast are going to be really important. So there's going to be a lot of resources in it this time. And I'm going to link a blog that I feel like is very useful and very um, simplified interpretations of some of the same resources that we ourselves turn towards. And we're going to be talking about one of those in this episode. The blog that I want to share, it's called deeprootsathome.com. And I'm going to link in the show notes a specific topics page that shares a lot about coronavirus, uh, COVID-19, SARS-CoV-2, whatever the heck you want to call it. So I also want to start by sharing a disclaimer that we're sharing things from medical professionals that we have been reading and just passing on. And we're sharing our personal experience. And this is not our medical advice to you. We expect you to use your resources, mostly referring to your God-given brain, uh, to apply what you will. We're trying really hard not to get censored here, and although we don't have a huge audience so far, we expect to someday and don't want one of our first podcasts to get us in trouble. So this doesn't mean that we aren't that we're afraid to share details of what we do or of what we have learned about. We just want to share information and personal experiences and make it clear that that's what we're sharing. If that gets us in trouble, then I guess trouble is inevitable, which sometimes it kind of feels like it is. So this isn't out of fear of getting canceled and what we'll lose out of that. It's more about finding a balance so that we can still reach people because we want to I guess you could say conform enough so that we're still able to reach our audience. So it's a, it's a delicate balance. So speaking to this point, please go on our website and subscribe to our newsletter. It's a pop-up that shows up when you go to hosbys.com. This is the best, most direct way to have a link to us. We don't use it very often right now. Honestly, it's mostly a resource to give people a way that they can reach so that we can reach out if ever there is a time when we lose contact in other forms, mostly referring to our Instagram account, which is our main form of communication right now. So if you are not subscribed to our newsletter, we we don't really put out emails that often. It's more of a backup master list that we keep. So today we're going to be talking about the vid protocol we use and also talk about some ways to detox from the spike protein. So there's a again, there's going to be a lot of great information on that on the show notes at hosbees.com. Go to recipes and more and find this episode. It will probably be called something like spike protein or something like that. So 
Um, first, first things first, we're going to talk about the breakdown of Dr. Mercola's hydrogen peroxide protocol that we use. And I do have a highlight on this on my Instagram. I don't, I, some people who listen here follow us on Instagram. Some people only subscribe to our newsletter. But if you are a more visual person who wants to see something written down, you can go on there. We kind of have to be a tiny bit, I don't know, elusive about what we share on there because we don't want to get in trouble and some of our features get taken away and it gets annoying. So um, I'm going to link a resource that Deep Roots at Home blog has on Dr. Mercola's um, nebulizing peroxide protocol that he has. And there they just kind of like take his whole protocol, dumb it down, explain it really well. So that's going to be linked, but we're going to talk about it right now as well and what we do. So I just looked that up on my Instagram and the highlight is called resp period, like respiratory health. And that has a bunch of links to the hydrogen peroxide we use, the iodine we use, um, a good nebulizer that we recommend and several of our family members and people that follow us have bought it. We actually ended up getting a different one because we wanted to get ours faster. But honestly, after all the bustle of trying to figure it out and it seemed like this big scary thing, it's basically just a little machine that blows air so that it, you know, it, what do you call it? Yeah, it's kind of like a diffuser. It diffuses the it like turns the liquid into a spray. Gosh, yes, vaporizes. It vaporizes the hydrogen peroxide solution. So if you're looking for links and resources on what exactly we purchased, I was about to say that you should purchase, but I'm going to say that we did purchase, then you can look on there. It's highlight resp health on our Instagram at Haas Honey. So let's talk about the actual protocol, though, and our experience with that. So we already had COVID a while back, and we did not do this protocol. We had another nasty respiratory virus right before Christmas, and we really wanted to be well before we went to visit family for Christmas. We used this protocol for that illness. So it doesn't necessarily have to be covid This is beneficial, according to Dr. Mercola, I will say, for respiratory viruses. So we're going to just talk about what exactly you do. So Dr. Mercola recommends nebulizing hydrogen peroxide, food-grade hydrogen peroxide, as the most effective early strategy for COVID. So the hydrogen peroxide, I guess we'll just jump right into it. The hydrogen peroxide is mixed with the iodine. It's Lugol's iodine 2%. And I should probably put a, a, a link to that in the show notes. But if not, it'll be, it's always on my Instagram. So the idea behind this is that nebulizing peroxide improves your oxygenation and your breathing in general. And the iodine, according to Dr. David Brownstein, who's also um a big fan of using this method. They both have a little bit, Dr. Brownstein and Dr. Mercola have a slight difference in their suggestions on hydrogen peroxide ratios to use in the solution, but essentially the idea is the same. And Dr. Brownstein says that out of a total of 107 COVID subjects that used this solution that he was 
keeping track of, they reported no adverse effects. I know online, if you Google it, you're going to find, oh my gosh, don't nebulize hydrogen peroxide. It's going to say, if you say nebulize, how to nebulize anything, the first thing it will say is don't nebulize hydrogen peroxide, don't nebulize iodine, don't nebulize colloidal silver. It's just very, very like, they make it sound very, very scary. First of all, I would say food grade hydrogen peroxide, but also this is what Dr. Brownstein says about it. I'll let you make your assumption after that. A total of 107 COVID-19 subjects utilized the nebulized solution. He's talking about a nebulized solution of saline with hydrogen peroxide and Lugol's iodine. They reported no adverse effects. We have been using nebulized saline slash hydrogen peroxide at this concentration for over two decades. He's been doing that for over two decades in his practice. So is nebulizing peroxide diluted in saline with or without iodine dangerous? No, there's no evidence to suggest there's a danger to this protocol unless you radically violate the recommendations on dilutions. Those are his own words. There's no evidence to suggest there's a danger to this protocol unless you radically violate recommendations on dilution. So we already talked about the anti, well, we didn't talk about the antiviral effects, but the hydrogen peroxide improves your oxygenation and breathing, and it has antiviral effects. The iodine essentially kills the concentration of virus reproducing in your nasal cavity and kind of your sinus area because it's been found, and I believe, was it Dr. Brownstein that was that was the one who was studying this or was it the, I can't remember the name of the other, other doctor that we were listening to. McCullough. Oh yeah, it was Peter McCullough, not Mercola, but McCullough. So Peter McCullough was talking about how the COVID-19 virus concentrates in your in your nasal cavity, in your sinus cavity, in your throat, just all right there basically where it gets into you. And so doing this type of protocol with iodine, it's literally killing the highest concentration. I think he said, if I'm not mistaken, the virus before it even enters any other part of your body typically reproduces seven to nine times over just within your nose, which is, I think, I'm guessing why a lot of people have a lot of damage to their their nasal nerves and their ability to smell and to taste. I'm not guessing. I know that's why because he Peter McCullough goes on to talk about that a lot in his in his studies and in his findings. So, the idea here is that if we can get an early intervention and kill off that virus where it's in a high concentration at the very beginning, it's going to give us the best head start that you possibly can get. So the iodine very easily kills the virus because of its antiviral and stop laughing at me, antifungal properties. So we we were listening to Peter McCullough talk and sorry, um, inside joke. <laughs> he, he was talking about how everyone is trying to, uh, 
Everyone's trying to sterilize everything, like wipe down all the bleachers in an entire stadium, when truly what you should be doing is if you find that you've been exposed to the COVID virus, to go home, get a neti pot. I don't know if you know what a neti pot is. You can Google it um, if you don't know what a neti pot is. And do like a saline flush with a neti pot with iodine solution to kill the virus. That's going to be a lot better and more effective than wiping down every single thing at a store with sanitizer every hour. Because that's not even where the virus lives and resides. So didn't he even talk about, oh my gosh, this is coming back to my memory. He even, Peter Peter McCullough talked about in some country, they did that. They made it a protocol where they told the people, go home and do a nasal rinse if you feel like you've been exposed to the virus. And they had, do you remember that? It was, some, I think it was somewhere in the Middle East. Here, here, here. I thought he said it was the Philippines or something like that. But uh, either way, the country that he was talking about had really low, really, really, really low COVID numbers. Yeah, I, I, gosh, I wish I could remember, but I definitely, it, it, it was somewhere where I was surprised because it did, it definitely wasn't a place where you go, oh yeah, they have definitely like, you know, like that makes sense that they have low numbers because they have a lot of medical resources or whatever. It was, okay, so we're going to share Mercola. He says, I've embraced nebulized peroxide since the COVID-19 pandemic broke out. So he hasn't really been using it in his practice as long as Dr. Brownstein. And many anecdotal reports from people who have successfully used it and even at more advanced stages, which is definitely how we were when we got ours because we were feeling sick and we didn't have COVID, but this was just another respiratory infection, which a lot of them, as far as I understand, work the same way. They reproduce in your nasal cavity. That's why it causes all that congestion and, and problems there because your body's trying to flush it out right there. First thing to keep in mind, the peroxide, the hydrogen peroxide needs to be diluted with saline. You can't just nebulize it straight. So he recommends diluting it down to 0.1%. Dr. Brownstein recommends diluting it to 0.04%. Tom Levy recommends 3% and higher. Just for ourselves, decided to go with 0.1%. Just because I have been following Dr. Mercola for the longest, for a very long time. Way longer than Dr. Brownstein. And so he's not really influenced by fads. And so I... I just trust his, you know, he doesn't go overboard with things. Even though Dr. Brownstein's was lower and Dr. Levy's was a, a lot higher, and I think either of those would be fine. That's just why I chose to go with his. So if you do a, a 0.1% dilution, it'll stay good in your refrigerator for a while. If you do a 0.04, it'll stay potent for about three months. And if you do 0.1% dilution, it'll stay potent a little bit longer. But the recipe that we have and that we use is a 0.1% dilution. And we keep it in our fridge and we mark it with the date that it will expire in three months. You can either buy saline or you could make your own, which that's what we opted to do because first of all, we didn't know where or what to buy. Also, we had all of the resources that we needed to just make it. And it's very, very super easy. I know at first this sounds overwhelming. I was overwhelmed. I was like, I'm doing a science experiment right now and I'm going to put it in my body. This is a little bit weird. But I just, 
took a deep breath and I did it and it was fine and it's totally normal now and I'm not freaked out by it and it's not weird. It's not scary. It's not a big deal. You breathe air in with particles in it all the time. So you can make your own saline by mixing one teaspoon of unprocessed salt. So if you don't plan on going back and looking at the show notes or my Instagram, then you just write this down right now. Just pause it for a sec, get a pencil and paper and write this down. So you can make your own saline by mixing one teaspoon of unprocessed salt. So this is not iodized salt. So you have to have Himalayan sea salt, Celtic salt, Redmond's real salt, like stuff like that. One teaspoon of that into a pint of water. This will give you a 0.9% saline solution, which is pretty much the concentration found in your body fluids. So using that saline, you will then dilute the hydrogen peroxide. Depending on your starting peroxide concentration, that, that's what's going to affect how you dilute. So what we used was a food grade hydrogen peroxide. It was a 3% solution. Recipe for that um, is one quarter teaspoon of the hydrogen peroxide for seven and a quarter teaspoons of the saline that we made. And that'll give you a 0.1 peroxide concentration. So another important part of this is not putting the peroxide with straight distilled water, but you can make your saline with distilled water. So it's best to make your saline first. You can use distilled water. We used we, we have a, a Berkey filter uh, that we really like, a really high quality filter, and we made the saline with that. And then after you make the saline, add the hydrogen peroxide. So after we made our solution um, of the hydrogen peroxide in, this, in the saline, we will fill up the reservoir or whatever it's called in the nebulizer mask or attachment. So basically when we bought our nebulizer, it comes with a little mouthpiece. It's kind of a long tube and it has a one side you put in your mouth and you breathe through that. We, however, bought a mask that didn't come with it. We just bought it afterward. It'll cover your nose and your mouth. That way we can breathe through our nose and get that in the nasal cavity instead of just in, in your mouth. At the bottom of the mask, it has a little reservoir. I don't know what it's called. I call it a reservoir. The air hose from the nebulizer plugs into the bottom of that and that's and then it pumps the air in and then it vaporizes the solution. So we fill up the that reservoir and then we, we just add two drops of the iodine. The Lugol's iodine, it doesn't have to be. It's just better. Oh, Alyssa says it has to be. When I was listening to it, they were saying it doesn't necessarily have to be. Lugol's iodine is just way better because it has the iodine as well as iodide. So it's just way better. So I, I would just get that. It's pretty easy to buy Lugol's iodine. So we would just do two drops of that. And then it's kind of weird when you first start because it's like you're breathing in this salty a little bit almost chlorine you know like when you go to the pool and you yeah. kind of smell and taste that chlorine a little bit it just smells really clean like sterilized almost that's kind of what the iodine smells like and then like getting the the saltiness in your mouth that you're breathing it's it's not super strong it's just kind of like weird at first yeah you get used to it really quick uh, it's also important to get uh, a tabletop jet nebulizer not the battery powered handheld kind because they're not as effective uh, dr brownstein talks about in all the cases where his patients who were using this protocol were not getting better they were using a handheld nebulizer the tabletop jet nebulizer is more powerful and it'll be able to get the vapor penetrate your lungs deeper uh, and be a lot more effective. Uh, Alyssa should talk about this, but 
when she learned about this, she was really adamant about getting everything we needed before we ever had an issue. That way, you know, because obviously when you buy things on Amazon, it's like it takes several days. A lot of the th- these things we couldn't find in stores, like the, the food grade hydrogen peroxide we couldn't find in the stores and the Lugol's iodine we couldn't find anywhere. So we got them on Amazon, but it's best to get them beforehand just to have them, you know, for when you need it. Yeah, I should talk about this because I'm sure this isn't what Trent meant because he's... He wouldn't call me out like that, but um, I think I definitely learned the hard way. I kept bringing this up to Trent because I felt like it was something just instinctively. I felt like it was really something that we needed to have on hand. And yeah, it was like a spiritual prompting. I just felt like it was something that we needed to have on hand. And I kept telling Trent and I kept telling him, you know, I think we need to have it on hand. Like maybe your dad's going to get sick or maybe your mom. And I kept trying to guess like who was who we needed to have this on hand for. Because in general, we're a pretty healthy family. I kept talking about it, but I kept kind of putting it off as well because it is a tiny bit intimidating. These are all new things to me. You know, I know a lot about um, essential oils and I know a fair amount about herbs and I know a ton about eating for health and the nutritional value in food. But these types of things are a little bit medical for me. It's a little bit intimidating. And so I kept putting it off and then Sage got sick and it was it was really sad. I mean, all babies being sick is sad, but she had, it was just a nasty, nasty RSV type, terrible you know, where when they breathe, you can hear it in their lungs. And I didn't want to take her to the hospital because that's the last place I want to be a couple days before Christmas of getting infected with all the nasty other stuff because hospitals are gross and dirty and (laughs) infected. And I also just don't like hospitals in general. So we avoid them at all costs. I, she got sick and I was just, oh, I needed this stuff right now. And I was like, I cannot believe that I didn't listen to that, that I kept feeling over and over again and I need to buy this stuff. And I, it did help me though, because I got over that fear really fast. You, you get over those fears really fast when your kids are in a situation like that. You're like, nope, don't, don't care about any of this anymore. I just got to do what I have to do to make my kid better. And so I got all of it. I also ordered a specific RSV sailing online which honestly didn't seem to be any different than the homemade sailing that we made. In my opinion, I don't actually know besides preservatives what the difference was in what we made and what I ordered, but I just wanted to have that on hand and I still have it on hand. Um, I don't regret buying it. I think it's something that I'm going to keep in a kind of like emergency reserve. I do really, really recommend buying it beforehand. And I was able to help quite a few other people who got COVID and other various respiratory conditions over Christmas break because we brought it with us. And I was also able to help them because I knew the protocol really well. All of our family had done it and we were nebulizing in the morning and the evening, all of us. I do actually also want to add this before we move on to talking about the spike protein and detoxing just as a little last note on this. What I I don't have a problem recommending to my family exactly what I think that they should do. <laughs> so I'll tell you what I told them that they should do, but I'm not saying that I'm recommending this to you. My family and friends kind of know me as as the one who kind of writes a protocol for them. They tell me their problem, I give them a whole list of what they should be doing every single day. <laughs> but obviously I don't I don't do that for the general public because 
I don't want to get sued or something. I don't know what would happen. Who knows? So I, for some people, I said you need to nebulize for five minutes every hour. For our family, since we mostly caught it early for the rest of us and Sage was the only one who was a little bit more advanced in the virus that she had, we were nebulizing in the morning and the evening for 15 minutes. I would say that's just a good place to start, in my opinion, if one of my family members were to ask me, that's what I would tell them. And if they're really bad, if they're, you know, blood oxygen, you know, you can get a pulse oximeter on Amazon for 20 bucks. But if their blood oxygen went under 90, then they should be doing it every five minutes for an hour for until it's been 24 hours since it it's, was under 95 or something. I don't know. But just really, you, you really need to look into it and trust yourself and and just remember what Dr. Brownstein said about there being no side effects to that. I mean, we breathe in all sorts of things all day. We breathe in car exhaust. We breathe in the steam in the shower. It really helped me to think about those types of things and remember the perspective of it. We're exposed to so much. We can't let ourselves be freaked out by be, by exposing ourselves to something that's natural and that's going to help us heal just because it's being villainized on Instagram or Google or wherever. Anyway, I don't even remember if that was the last point that I was trying to make. What was I saying? Okay, well, let's just assume that I said what I wanted to say. Oh, yeah. Just buy it beforehand so that you can treat yourself and your family and your friends. I would recommend uh, maybe keeping an extra mask on hand. <laughs> we, It's kind of like a one-person use type thing. So you can use the nebulizer among your whole family, but ideally everyone should have their own mask. Now, is that what really happened for us? No. It was it probably fine and okay and it's just plastic. Yeah. I lent it to my mom. I lent it to my aunt, my uncle, our neighbor, all within like a three-week period. And it just rapidly accelerated all these congestion issues that everyone was having. And now whenever we start to feel a little bit stuffy, whenever we start to feel cold coming on, boom, we pull it out. We're feeling a lot better. I don't want to speak for Trent's dad. He might be embarrassed for people to know that he used our protocol or Dr. McCullough's protocol. Can I? You won't care. Okay. So Trent's dad finally tested positive for COVID <laughs> after so many tests, so many sicknesses, hoping it was COVID just to get it over with. He finally tested positive for COVID and he had probably the most mild case I've ever seen. He was like out in the backyard and doing all sorts of stuff. And and hey, he, he did that protocol, didn't he? For that, yeah. Which we had recommended and told him to buy a nebulizer and gave him all the information for a you know, respiratory illness that he had right before Christmas and he wanted to get rid of it before Christmas too. It w- it, it's almost like the, another respiratory virus would be a good dry run, you might call it. But I just, I just think that this is something that I am going to have on hand and that I'm going to recommend to my friends and family to keep on hand as a good resource. Always have your nebulizer, always have some good food grade hydrogen peroxide, you can use regular peroxide. That's what we used before we got the food grade stuff, but food grade just doesn't have the silica content where people say, oh my gosh, it's going to scratch up your lungs. But anyway, that's a whole other story. We could talk about um, all the fears of that. And then some Leucol's iodine and just always have real salt in your house. And that, I mean, that's it. You're good. You're good to go. Keeping that around, it's, I really think like you could potentially save someone's life by doing that. And I honestly think believe that in one case, just from knowing this protocol, 
I did. I don't want to call out specifically who it was because I don't want to embarrass them if they're listening to this. But I do think that this saved them from at least hospitalization. But if I'm going to go to the more extreme side, then yeah, it did, it did save their life. Okay, so Trent did a little bit more research on the spike protein than I did. So I'm going to kind of share what I understand that it is, and then Trent can correct me if he needs to. So the spike protein, the SARS-CoV-2 or COVID or whatever you want to call the virus spike, spike protein or peplomer protein is protein spikes that protrude from the virion, which is like, you know, the kind of globular structure of the virus because, yeah, the, the single individual pieces of virus because they're not cells. That's why they need us. They need to latch onto our cells to be able to live and survive and reproduce there. So if you can imagine, I mean, I'm sure you've all seen a picture of COVID. You know, they show it in the background because it looks kind of freaky. I think the best way to describe it to somebody who can't recall an image would be kind of like the rays of the sun coming off of the sun with popcorn stuck on the end of it. Okay, you ready to talk I, now? I, I think it looks like those little suction like those little balls that you would throw out the window have a bunch of suction cups instead of suction cups or spikes that's that's kind of what it does too so why don't you so wait, 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 wait. i just want to see if i can sound smart so these individual are these these um spike proteins poking off them they're basically the lock pickers is what I decided to call them, of the virus that bind them and inject their genetic material into our cells so that they're able to replicate. Is that right? That Yeah. So, yeah. So it's basically, it's kind of like a shape-shifting lock pick. So it can actually change its shape in order to bind and like penetrate your cells through the, the protein layers and all the other, whatever other layers there are in the cell to be able to get in there, bind to it really hard, grab onto that thing and inject its genetic material into your cell so it can reproduce. And this is kind of one of the problems that COVID causes is that these spike proteins can cross the blood brain barrier. They can get all over in your body and they, they cause damage in your blood vessels, in your lungs, in your heart. That's part of the reason why people are getting the myocarditis and then having issues with blood clotting so so there's the spike protein that you're talking about that we get naturally from the virus and then there's also in greater amounts the spike protein the spike protein that is produced and that comes in from the vaccine right and so there's just such a high concentration of this spike protein in our body specifically when we get the vaccine. Because as far as I understand, when you get the vaccine, it, I mean, they've designed it this way. This is what they want it to do is that it, the spike proteins latch in and they get their DNA into you, you know, so that that, that that's there and so that you potentially supposedly have immunity to it. But it also causes your body to create spike protein, which is an interesting phenomenon because then when your body goes and tries to attack and fight against this, it's it's not just a response to the vaccine, but also to your own body because you are producing these spike proteins yourself, which can cause, you know, all sorts of problems because they fuse to the cell membrane. They're made of your own cells. 
and your cells are then targeted by your own immune system in an effort to destroy that spike protein. So your immune system's response to this can damage your body's cells. So another thing that was found um, in, about the spike protein, specifically in the vaccine, uh, there was a study done in Japan um, for the Pfizer, the Pfizer vaccine specifically. They said in the 48 hours post-vaccination, vaccine particles had traveled to various tissues throughout the body and did not stay at just at the injection site. So, and then they found high inject or high concentrations of the spike protein in the liver, the bone marrow, and ovaries, and the spleen as well. They what they say about it in the studies, and I'm going to read it here. It says emerging evidence on spikeopathy suggests that effects related to inflammation and clotting may occur in any tissue in which the spike protein accumulates. In addition, peer reviewed other peer reviewed studies in mice have found that spike protein is capable of crossing the blood brain barrier. Thus, in humans, it could potentially lead to neurological damage if it is not cleared from the body. Okay, that just reminded me of something that I just have to share really fast because I I found a woman, um, I guess she shares a lot on TikTok, but there was one thing that she shared on Instagram and it's basically her journey of attempt at recovery after getting the COVID-19 vaccine. And so she has strong reaction to the vaccine and she has like shakes and she can't control her body a lot of the time. I was just thinking about that because that that's the result of these effects that we're talking about. That is the potential. And I'm not saying that that happens to everyone. Obviously, it doesn't. But that's a risk that you should be able to take on yourself. She was kind of coerced into getting the vaccine, which it's really sad. I, I wish I could remember her name so you could go and look her up. But even when she shares her personal journey of trying to physically recover and be able to walk. I saw this post of her and I clicked on it and I'm watching it and I'm just almost crying because of the effects of this and people around the world are being told right now, give it to your zero-year-old baby. It's completely safe. I read a statement by Pfizer today saying that it's completely safe. No adverse effects were found. And I'm just like, how is that possible? Yeah, of course they're going to say that, but it's just ridiculous that we'll believe it. I mean, that's that's unbelievable that there's no side effects to something like this, especially since we've seen them. Anyway, the point that I was trying to make about that was that she, when she posts on social media, all of her posts are marked as partially false information. When I went to go repost it on my stories, it said, do you, do you still want to continue to post this? This has been found to be partially false information. And I clicked on the like, why is this partially false? And it shares her story. This woman had a, had a severe reaction to the COVID-19 vaccine. And I'm like, how is that partially false? Could you imagine your life being marked as partially false? Anyway, not, I'm not going to get any more political than that. But there you go. I was also going to add to the whole vaccination thing. I saw a video of some children in Canada, of course, Canada, though they've been doing great with the, the truck rally, the trucker rally, rather. It was a video of middle-aged children, or sorry, middle, not middle-aged, middle school-aged children. Yeah, they're real weird. They got those 40-year-old children. Um, middle school age children and the interviewers in the there's like a news thing whatever the, the interviewers were asking what they should do with people who weren't getting vaccinated who didn't want to get vaccinated and they were saying oh we should take and these this is coming from the children oh we should take away everything that they have until they want to get vaccinated oh we should send them to jail oh we should 
we should punish them. Oh, we should do all these things. It was just like, oh my gosh, that is the next generation coming up, believing that you can't breathe without a mask, without dying or getting this vaccine or without getting this virus. And that the vaccine is this ultimate savior that's going to save you from getting, which is ridiculous because states and areas who are that are highly vaccinated are some of the worst in cases right now in the United States. So all of that to say that we don't want people to be living in fear. That's not the point of sharing this. We're not trying to make people live in fear of this vaccine and the spike protein and the spike protein that honestly they can shed and that they they shed. You shed this spike protein. If you don't know what shedding is, vaccine shedding, go look it up. Um it's ridiculous how many people I talk to that don't know what vaccine shedding is. The point of sharing that story is to share that like, we don't want people to live in fear. That's not the point of this. We don't want people to live in fear of coronavirus. We don't want people to live in fear of the vaccine either. Some people chose to get the vaccine. That's fine. Some people felt like they their life depended on, their livelihood depended on it. And we're not going to judge them for their personal choice any more than we want to be judged for our personal choice, you know, and whatever that was, the choice that we made, which is probably quite obvious. We just want people to have that freedom to choose and to also understand the risks. And also, even if you did get the vaccine, that you can still do some things to minimize that risk, to detox from the spike protein. So we're going to talk a little bit about how you can do that, how you can detox from the spike protein, whether it's from the vaccine that you received, whether it's from contraction of the virus, whether it's from a combination or from shedding, other people shedding the, the spike protein from their COVID-19 vaccinations every time they get boosters and then they come around you and they're shedding these spike proteins that are causing this crazy autoimmune response in your body and you're like, what's going on? I'm a generally healthy person. Why am I sick all the time? Why are my kids all of a sudden have a runny nose like every couple weeks or every time we visit so-and-so? So a few things that I've kind of been learning about, not only detoxing, but preventing. So before we get into all the more common ways to kind of detox from it, uh, I wanted to talk about actually a, a study that just came out. Very, very interesting. It came out of Oregon State University. So this is kind of an abstract of what... So first of all, it's important to know that CBGA, which is can cannabidiolic acid, and CBDA, which is cannabidiolic acid, actually will bind to the spike protein, which makes it so that it doesn't affect human cells. Basically what CBGA and CBDA are, are they are the compounds that hemp actually produces and then when humans process it we for example the the plant will produce these cannabinoids with the acid molecule basically which which is why it's cbga cbda is for acid now, same with thca so when you take uh, if you were to take uh, marijuana flower and smoke it the heat will break off that acid molecule and turn it to THC instead of THCA. And that's what causes people to get high. You, you can't get high off THCA. But specifically with the CBGA and CBDA, it's just a less processed version of these plant compounds. And those two specifically were shown to prevent that spike protein from infecting humans, which is totally amazing if you think about it. I mean, they spent how many billions and billions of dollars they, how many billions of dollars did we as taxpayers spend to produce this vaccine? And in reality, we have a 
really simple plant compound, as well as others that we're about to talk about, that can help prevent this virus from infecting us. And now we're just learning learning about it now to detox the virus. Well, no, CBGA and CBDA keeps the protein from, uh, in fact, that's what ivermectin does too. Ivermectin binds to the spike protein to keep it from getting into your cells. The worst part, in my opinion, of the virus is what they're exposing us to in the vaccine. There's also these other toxins and, you know, heavy metals that they that they use in vaccines in general that I, I'm going to assume are in there. I haven't actually looked at the ingredients list. Just the fact that the spike protein that is what's so detrimental in the virus itself is what is also we're trying to kind of detox and avoid and get rid of in the vaccine in copious amounts. So that's why the spike protein, the these things that bind to the spike proteins help us. Because whether it's from contracting the virus or whether it's from getting the vaccine, when you're binding something else to the spike protein, it is no longer able to attach to your cells and infect you. Put its DNA in there, whatever. But um, obviously there's a lot of things that can bind to the spike protein, ivermectin, one of them. There's also other things that we can detox in the from the vaccine and from the shedding of other people's vaccines. Some of those things that I've kind of been reading about are, I mean, obviously we all know vitamin C, of course. Vitamin C has really good antioxidant effects. So what we did was we take, we took, we took 10,000 milligrams per day kind of spaced throughout the day when we had COVID and kind of after for a little while, even, even when we get viruses now. Quercetin, zinc, the, we did the vitamin C, and then we did also high-dose vitamin D. The, the quercetin I didn't know about before we got COVID. So when I was, you know, we, we kind of learned about it, I was just like, what does it do? It What it does is it helps your body not overreact to the virus because that a lot of times causes issues in people is your body's overreaction to the virus. And so the quercetin kind of helps mellow the reaction to it. So you don't get it. You, it doesn't cause issues from, you know, the autoimmune response. I was reading also about um, the importance of antioxidants and antioxidants will help. I think sometimes we look for complex solutions just because the, the problem seems complex. There's a lot of really simple things that we can do to to detox from this and just other toxins that we have in our body that are really easy to access, found naturally, you know, those vitamins. We talked about ivermectin. We talked about, did we talk about hydrochloroquine, uh, hydroxychloroquine, CBDA and CBGA? But there's also a lot of, you know, plant extracts and not even extracts, but just herbal supplements that you can get just from an herb store or health food store that help your body detox from not just the spike protein, but other things found in the vaccine. So resin is one of them. You can find a list of all of the things that you should be trying to detox your body of, the things that can shed all of that at worldcouncilforhealth.org. But, and I'll, I'll link that in the show notes. But one of the big ones to me are pine needles. They're really high in vitamin C, first of all, but you can just get them at an herb store and you can drink that three times a day. The vitamin C in the pine needles will help with the spike protein. So also in the pine needle tea, the the oil or the resin that accumulates sometimes on top or wherever when you make the tea to consume that as well. It's a it's a good source of nutrients, especially vitamin C. Pine needles are just really high in vitamin C. And I don't know if you can just somebody asked me if you could just go out in the forest in like Flagstaff or 
you know, wherever. <laughs> go out in the forest if you have a forest. We live in the desert, but go out in the forest and just pick up pine needles. And I don't know, whenever I see them at the herb store, they're always those little short little pine needles. But I mean, why not? Why wouldn't the big ones be just as good? I'm sure they have great nutrients in them. Dandelion leaf extract is really good. You can get that in a tincture or a tea or whatever. I, I recommend that everyone go and seek out their local herb shop. Find an herb shop, the closest one to you. Make friends with the person who owns it. They can be such a great resource to you. Having all of that kind of thing on hand and if you become friends with them, some people are, some of, some shop owners are more willing to do this and some are a little bit more timid about it. But if you're friends with them, they're a lot more open to sharing their own personal experiences and their own remedies. Just uh, some people, if they don't know you, they don't want to be held, you know, liable for, they don't want to be held liable for your, the suggestions that they make to you. But if you get to be friends with them, they're, they're typically, they're going into this and they own a herb shop because they are very passionate about it. It. You know, fennel tea, star anise tea. You can even, I mean, a lot of these things really, they're they're food supplements for your body. They're not gonna, it's not like, oh my gosh, I am I afraid I'm gonna take too much. Some of them, though, you should be careful of if you're pregnant or nursing. I mean, you can always look these up. Like it's your your body, your responsibility. You look it up, you figure it out, you take care of yourself. Just like you have that responsibility to the other things that you eat while you're pregnant and nursing, that's up to you. That's your responsibility. That's your decision. And don't let anybody tell you that it's it's not. Quercetin is a flavonoid. You can take it alongside a zinc supplement. It's found in citrus fruits and onions and um, the allium family. Vitamin D3 you can get that as a supplement but i honestly was just talking about this on my instagram today actually i think that that's the one where my reel wouldn't post vitamin d3 you go outside and you get it you can i would honestly for myself take a supplement of d3 for this detox purpose because even though we go outside i don't know we're going outside more as it's getting warmer but in the winter months, especially if you live in a really cold place and you're not really going outside and when you do go outside, your skin is completely covered. If that were me, I would definitely be taking a vitamin D3 supplement because although you have to be careful with your intake because you just don't, you don't want to overdo it because your your liver can't. Uh, can't flush out that extra D3 like it can with other vitamins, you're not getting it from the sun and you need it in excess amount when you're sick and you're trying to detox from this kind of stuff. So although I'm usually wary of a D3 during like a summer month, right now, I honestly, if I were, maybe I should start taking a D3 supplement. Most people are deficient in D3, B12, which is funny because everyone thinks that it's, that it's vegans who are <laughs> deficient in those two things. But it's actually, interestingly enough, most of society that are deficient in those, even though they eat meat. Zinc is important. I mean, you don't really need that much. It's not, you're not going to be doing like 10,000 milligrams. Like calcium, it's like, what, 10 to 40 milligrams a day that you really need. And so if you're going to add that in addition to like a regular multivitamin, just see what zinc levels you already have in your multivitamin. I mean, that's what I would do, not what I'm telling you to do. <laughs> uh, another one that I like, a natural one that I like is milk thistle extract. You can just get it at, you know, your health food store. It's also, I believe, good for milk production. Maybe I'm just thinking that because it says milk, but I'm pretty sure it's a suggested natural supplement for milk production. Maybe it's not. 
Go look it up. On the worldcouncilforhealth.org, they have a list of the top 10 spike protein detox essentials. Pretty much talked about all of them. Oh, we didn't talk about curcumin. This is what they say, the top the top 10. So just get as many of these as you can and have them on hand and start taking them and just as a supplement just add them to your daily supplements put in your smoothie whatever vitamin d vitamin c nac ivermectin nigella seeds quercetin zinc magnesium curcumin milk thistle extract you know so add the applicable ones to your daily intake or i would add the applicable ones to my daily intake and then keep like the ivermectin on hand whatever talk a little bit more about the the science behind the detox feel like you know a lot about that trent researched this a ton in our blog, we'll um, we'll link the the website to the World Council for Health. We got a lot of our we, we get a lot of our resources from there. They have a lot of really good articles and research and stuff on their website about COVID and about the uh, detoxing from it and the how to kind of neutralize what what things can neutralize or inhibit the spike protein and kind of help prevent you from getting infected if you do if you are exposed to COVID. Also, hit us up if you want some CBDA, CBGA. We'll put it in an order for you. Pretty quality stuff. Trent really wants to start selling at least at least right now when it seems to be a big need so we've been talking about it i'm on the frugal saver side and he's on the bend expand side so i think it's a good balance overall but deep roots at home i would honestly recommend subscribing to their uh blog area I think they put out some really bold but well-informed information, which I very much appreciate. They have some good articles. I'll link their page that talks about their, it's like a sub page with all their COVID articles. It's pretty good. Next week, we're going to be talking about honey, right? Yeah, we're going to be talking about honey. Oh, I did not even share this. Yes, we're going to be talking to Jeremy. Um, Brian calls him Germ. I think it's so cute. Does he know that? Germ. She some one time thought his name was Germ and so she calls it she called him Germ for a long time. I think she calls him Jeremy now, but we tried so hard not to say Jeremy around her because it's so cute when she makes a mistake like that because she doesn't do it very often. She just is a very she just speaks very well. She always has for her age. And so when she does say something like that, we try to like perpetuate it for as long as possible because we we don't get to enjoy them very much very often because she's just so she's just yeah she's just very well spoken so the one one more thing that i was going to note it that i was going to note because we're talking to jeremy uh, one of the really big ways i wish i could find the study right now i'm trying to look it up as i'm talking but i'm just going to give up on that and just tell you and you can believe me you can take my word for it i was reading a study that was talking about the benefits of saunas and like hot baths and saunas and infrared saunas on detoxing the spike proteins. Maybe we can ask Jeremy about that. But yes, that was I was reading a study that was talking about that and he does have a sauna at his at Reconnect, a wellness center. I'm excited to talk to him. A little bit intimidated. He's very knowledgeable. He knows a lot of things. Thank you for joining us in this episode. I'm really glad that you guys came around this week. We talked about detoxing from spike protein from the virus, from the vaccine and from shedding of other people who have received the vaccine. We also talked about our COVID protocol that we use by Dr. Mercola, and all of these things, links, and resources will be in our show notes at 
hosbys.com under the tab recipes and more and find this episode, episode five. We're excited to share this with you. We really hope that it helped you out. Leave us a review and give us five stars on your favorite podcasting platform. Tell your friends so they can join in and listen with us. We really just want to share in an easy, concise, understandable manner these things that really are affecting everybody every day. Thank you for listening and supporting us. We're excited to have you here. We're excited to grow and listen and learn from and talk to new people. You can find our CBD products and our honey products at hosbees.com. We are Hot Talks Health.